0: Oh god. Oh my god. <laughs> hey, wait. Uh keep going up.
1: Okay. Uh, more rat, put more rats into it. wait, hold on. Yeah, I guess I guess we're just right back where we were a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> me 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 me. me, me. <laughs> you know,
2: just, uh, I'll, I'll tell you I'm doing something to the knob, okay? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I did
1: it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. I felt it yeah. when you did it to the knob. <laughs> yep. We know from knobs.
3: <laughs> Speaking of knobs, they're that moment in between worlds.
2: This is the way we introduce
3: the oh, podcast. That, <laughs>
1: please, take it away. Did you see that, Sean? That was a fucking segue. <laughs> That's how you do a goddamn
4: segue. <laughs> uh, welcome, welcome back to Cage Match, everybody. Cage Match, colon, a roundabout way of meeting Nicolas Cage. I'm your host, Sean, with my co-host i'm nick and our producer peter hello and this week we have two guests Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves
3: my name's roxanne and i am the wife of
5: i'm going by gary (laughs) yeah we're going (laughs) to go by gary on the pod and we're here to, to talk Nick Cage and, and real hyped about it. Thanks for having us. Love listening to you guys. And it feels like a, a real privilege to be here.
1: Really excited for it. I think yeah. we got something good on this one.
2: This is going to be great. So
5: Roxanne, you were saying about Nick
2: Cage's genitals. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Way to well, go, Rox.
3: <laughs> the word knob elicited a certain memory in me from yesterday when <laughs> Gary and I were watching Between Worlds for the first time, only time, um...
0: Hopefully and not laugh. <laughs> so, the last. We an scene. annual tradition.
3: <laughs> well, there was this one scene, but of all the scenes in the movie, I looked over at you and I, like, I did not know what my eyeballs were seeing. That is this part when uh, Nick Cage's character, what's his name? Joe is having sex with Billy slash his dead wife, Mary. Spoilers. <laughs> and... Yeah. Billy's mom comes home, so Billy jumps up, uh, Nick Cage gets out of bed, uh, he has undies on, apparently, and he has, he's wearing a t-shirt, and we think he's Donald Ducking it for a minute, mm-hmm. but, and you can see <laughs> something sticking out the bottom of the shirt, and I looked around and I just said, what is going on with this guy's penis?
4: <laughs> this was the second yeah. uh, week in a row where we thought we might have seen Nick Cage's <laughs> doll for the first time. Yeah. Yes. yeah.
0: <laughs> Y'all are
1: still
5: waiting for that moment, eh? Yeah,
1: fingers crossed.
4: Things coming. House, you gonna find your uh, penis double?
5: Yeah, it's true. You, you gotta have your dick twin. Dick twin, right? Dick <laughs> twin, that was it. A... penis double.
2: Sounds <laughs> like a
1: stunt person. Yeah. <laughs> dick twin
5: is like just a life affirming
1: moment. Yeah, <laughs> makes you feel right with everything.
5: And also, probably a person's name. I bet there is a dick twin out there selling used cars.
1: I did. I went over
3: to a friend's house once. I'd never been there before. It was in a gated community and I had to know her dad's name to get in, which I didn't know. I texted her and she told me, just tell them that, you know, rich friend. And I I was like, no, I need to know your dad's name. And that wasn't her dad's (laughs) name. (laughs) Got me in.
0: Oh, we're
5: in the weeds now. How do we yeah. get back to Nick Cage? Fine. Yeah, okay. we do so. this, this is the
0: podcast. Yeah. Um, so, so this is
5: the podcast. So this
4: week we are uh, talking about uh, Vampire's Kiss from 1988 and uh, Between Worlds from 2018. Two movies where something supernatural might be happening?
2: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, backtracking a little bit, this is Cage Match, where we take 64 Nicolas Cage movies and pick them up head-to-head, bracket-style uh, to determine the best KGS movie of all time until he makes more and we have to do extra content on Patreon
1: Sign up for our Patreon It's the only way you find
5: out Find out what?
2: <laughs> I don't know, the truth
5: Yeah, you and, know, I actually wanted what to ask about Peter is making? <laughs> best and KGS, do you say that like they're the same thing? Have y'all? wrapped about whether or not that's different is the cages film also going to be the best no
1: we have to make this distinction because in like week two i eliminated adaptation for army of one which was the wrong decision i'm still mad about it it's the best decision (laughs) it is the most cagey film one of the most cagey films we've watched thus far yeah
4: I mean, where else are you going to see Nick Cage hang gliding to Afghanistan with a
5: katana? <laughs> a katana, with a
4: katana with and end. a boombox on a red, white, and blue hang glider. Yeah,
5: that's true. I do think there's an argument to be made, though, that Between Worlds is in the running for that. He literally breaks a fourth wall at one point in the film.
4: No, that's a cagey ass film. I have things to say about it. So, <laughs> all right.
2: Who wants to give me the, uh, the general one paragraph synopsis of this movie?
3: I can do you one better. I can do Stop. it in one sentence. Are you ready? A ghost is taking over Billy's body like some sort of hermit crab. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nicolas Cage plays Trucker Joe. Trucker Joe.
5: Joe uh, Majors. Non-union, as far as we can tell.
4: And uh, no one else you've ever heard of is in this stuff.
2: That's not true. Franca Potente is in here, and she was run, Lola, run. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Otherwise, right, nobody matters. else is in it. Yeah. <laughs> nobody nobody matters.
4: Penelope Mitchell is Billy. That's the cast.
2: Oh, uh, well, you forgot about Hopper Penn, Sean Penn's kid.
4: Is that Sean Penn's
1: kid? Yep. I did not know that. Well, the we dru- would have known that if we could have seen his wiener.
5: That's true. <laughs> you can always tell by the balls. <laughs> the family resemblance would yeah. have been the family
1: too jewels. Much. Like,
4: that's oh. why they're called the family jewels. <laughs> yeah, that's fine.
5: So, I bet Hopper Penn and Dick uh, Twin so use <laughs> cars together.
4: So, yeah. so Joe is a truck driver, uh, seems to be down on his luck, owes, uh, owes some money on things, unclear.
1: No, he had a mortgage, and he had a truck payment. Does he still have a mortgage? Well, I mean... He had a
4: mortgage. He had I
1: mean, a mortgage. He technically still has that property. <laughs> right.
4: I mean, it seems fairly abandoned. He uh, finds himself at a truck stop where he decides to yuck some woman's yum. <laughs> <laughs> <She's> just, <laughs> that's correct. You know, fucking... She did. He's kind, She's kind of an asshole there. there yeah. She, so, uh, the woman's getting... Uh, what's her
1: name? Well, that's a really Julie's good question. Julie's getting choked
4: out in a bathroom stall.
1: Do you ask for consent before you stop a choking?
5: Oh damn. That's deep. I'm I mean, I, I think questions. if you're I think if you're in public space, yeah. You let and, it fly? N- no, I think if you're in public <laughs> space doing that kind of act, you're unconsensually having people witness it, you know? So you're already kind of breaking that. And so if you butt in, it's like, well, you started it. <laughs> You, mm. you butted into my shit, and now I'm butting into yours. And and then if they say, yo, you're yucking my yums, you know, see yourself out the door, but that's, I mean, you know, that's my take on it. It doesn't have to be the final word. He
4: doesn't really give them time to explain their behavior. He just kind of kicks that guy's ass. Right,
0: truly.
1: What if somebody busts in, and it turns into, like, a Mexican choke-off, where everybody's <laughs> choking everybody, and, like, everybody's having a good time. Yeah. That's best-case scenario. What's, your, uh, what's just, your safe word, Nick? My safe word? Yeah. Parallelogram. <laughs>
4: That's a good one. Yeah.
1: It is a good one. Yeah.
4: Peter and I, like, one weekend randomly found out we had the same safe word.
2: It wasn't for sexy reasons. <laughs>
4: <laughs> don't, don't ruin the mystery, Peter. <laughs> what was it? Rutabaga. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Very lyrical. Yeah. So it turns out Julie can travel between worlds mm. by uh, drowning and or being choked in truck stop bathrooms. Peter, it looked like you were about to say something.
2: I was going to say, she can also get choked out in other places, Sean. Oh. Right, that's true. I mean,
4: up to this point, we only know of one place she can do this.
5: It's an NDE. She has to have an NDE, basically. It doesn't necessarily matter how. That's the sense I got from it. Near-death experience yes. for the
1: lay
0: people. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Us enlightened folk over here, we're, we're in on it. All of us people who are like down with all these choking terms. I was going to say, I, didn't, I don't know that sex <laughs>
3: That's a good point, though, uh, Stick with me
1: after the pod, I'll show you.
3: <laughs> I'm curious. If you could choose your own NDE experience to have to bring back people from the dead, what would you want it to be?
5: Oh, damn! Well, drowning is really like in the ice water. That was a really killer one. I really enjoyed that from an aesthetic level. Looking at someone drowning under a sheet of ice was very pleasing to watch. Um, so I really like that one on like a visual level. You were probably too distracted by the cringe-worthy David Lynch homage that per- permeated the intro was, uh, and the whole film. Same.
1: Composer.
5: Yeah, Battle yeah. of Menti, right. So, and I, yeah, I just found that whole thread just really hard to watch. Cringeworthy <laughs> is the word I'll use. I, I really enjoyed some of the stuff that David Lynch has done, and I think making an homage to Twin Peaks specifically is kind of a cool thing to do, but I just thought it didn't come off very well. The piece of, like, Coast Salish art that was above the, the fireplace and there in Louisiana, I was like, give me a break.
1: <laughs> you at least try. So, where were we? Um, oh,
4: so Billy crashes, so Nick Cage chokes Julie out, and then something with comes consent, back, with consent, mm-hmm. and something comes back, and we briefly see Julie between worlds. So, they take uh, Billy back home, Joe loses his truck. Billy has been what's the word? God, i having the brains again. Hi-
2: hijacked, I don't know, hijacked, mean, of, possessed. possessed,
4: thank you, mm-hmm. possessed by Joe's ex wife. Joe has started into a sexual relationship with Billy's mom, and things get weird, involving uh, him just getting a handy jay uh, under a blanket while her, uh, Billy's mom's in the kitchen holding a watch- whole meat.
5: Right? <laughs> the whole yeah, meat. from his wife, but from her daughter.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so is it really wrong?
4: <laughs> I mean, he tries to explain it away when she ca- when the mom catches them uh, going at it later. Yeah, He's that's like, "It's my wife." It's like, "That's my daughter." <laughs> Can't they just be the same yeah. thing?
1: So there's a lot of action involving ghosts. This is a horny ass ghost movie. Oh, I love a good horny ghost movie, though. It's hornier than ghost. Hornier or (laughs) less horny than Drive Angry. Two horny ghost movies. Oh, shit, you're right. Uh,
4: This one had more uh, boning down, but Drive Angry had more tit.
1: Oh, yeah, Drive Angry was a solid movie. This was a great movie, too. I loved this film. This, this film was movie. awesome. Yeah, I could definitely watch it right now. You guys are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good thing you don't get a vote, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> the only votes that ever count are mine and Sean's, but first mine.
5: Well, you know, I'll I'll join you in, in that. I've, I loved it as well, but not in the way it wanted me to love it.
4: <laughs> no, oh, you so know, that's fair. I
5: genuinely enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. This movie's bad, and I love that about yeah. it. Oh, 100%. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, the Twin Peaks homage him having sex in two timelines and reading from his journal like they just hit you over the head with it over the the black nurse who like has psychic powers like it was so in your face from from front to back the whole time they kept on it.
1: I do have a question about the nurse like you can't tell me they wrote more and then like didn't get around to using it. She says things like leave that to us. Who's us? What are you? <laughs> That's right. our business. Don Cheadle can, you know, give people glimpses. Yeah, so. he's a magical black man. Yeah. Maybe she's a magical black
5: woman. There so, were some good jams in this film. Yeah. There was a couple of Black Flag songs, and that song at the end, what was that one? At Leader, the, of the Leader of the Pack. Leader yeah, yeah. of the Pack. I, I,
3: I really... Didn't understand that choice. I mean, I, Same. if I'm gonna choose anything from the movie, did not understand. I, I don't know why I'm saying that one, but
5: the wall of sound, like the Phil Spector vibe, somehow made sense to me aesthetically with the house burning down. I don't know if it's because of what we know about Phil Spector, or I don't know. It just for me, it like it it made some sort of harmony together. But I, you're right. I, I can't quite decode exactly why that song. Phil Spector,
1: ghost name, ghost movie, in all tracks. Mm. <laughs>
4: <laughs> there are levels to this movie i didn't even realize we're there i know all right Not we're gonna last. call it now this movie wins we're done with it. We're done
0: this the end of it.
4: <laughs> so let's discuss yeah. the sex in two timelines because it's been brought up a few times and there's no
1: description for people who in that situation nicholas cage is having sex with the daughter of the chick that he's been hooking up with who sees dead people billy mm. mary we'll call her billy mary because uh, it's Mary, his wife's name, and yeah. Billy, the daughter's name.
3: BM Woo! for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's having so, sex with a right. BM. Uh-huh. Nick's just pounding away on a BM.
3: <laughs> this is
1: terrible. Uh,
4: this is this is our content.
1: So he's pounding away on a BM, and <laughs> he's having like you know flashbacks to like banging away on his wife. In Uh, in the the before time, It was in his truck cab. I mean, I don't really know what happens in these movies, ever.
3: (laughs) Or in truck cabs.
1: Oh, I know what happens in truck cabs. (laughs) We've
4: seen two movies now where we see things happen in truck cabs. Mm -hmm.
1: So he's banging away on her and, you know, having visions of uh, it being his
5: wife. What's creepy (laughs) is then he pulls out his own journal and starts reading from it. Well, yeah, okay, so... Yeah, that sorry. gobsmacked me. Like, what in the world is going on? She's yeah, read it? from memories. Yeah, Mary's
1: like, just <laughs> read, me, read to request. me from memories. And
2: uh-huh. he
4: does. Memories by Nicolas Cage.
1: Yeah, which, if you'd like to know my favorite quote, it is just, Mary says, read to me from memories, Joe. And Joe just says, again? <laughs> 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 While sexing. And this is everything that he reads, and this is like <laughs> <laughs> a, a memoir or some kind of story written by Nicholas Cage that for some reason he just has a manuscript of. And it goes a little like I enjoyed the Arc de Triomphe. You rode your happiness and she straddled my mouth. Your tongues mingled above me. Your peach juice cascaded over and upon my golden cock. And I knew that then that we were a family, a tribe. Our heat melting the snow beneath us on top of the mountain as the Inuit applauded. <laughs> Just brutal. Just I totally brutal. And I, I could give or take most of that until he got down to and the Inuit <laughs> applauded. How could you and take most like, of that? I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's happened to this, you in your life is, that, ah, that you can handle. I'm, that. Pretty, I'm pretty callous. I don't know, but like having Nicolas Cage describe a three way. Fair, that's fine. But now you've got Eskimos watching in the background just (laughs) golf clapping, and it's like this is good. This is exactly what I want Nicolas Cage to write in his memoir. Oh god. Very cagey. He
3: truly did write that also. I read that he wrote that poem specifically for this movie. That was amazing. I don't remember i was doing some research if he wrote
1: it for anything else though (laughs) that's a a good point (laughs) all right i found Um, i I found
3: the
4: through line of these two films uh weird shit nick cage is into
1: because
4: i have something for that for vampire's kiss this is this movie is kind of all over the place i don't really know how to explain it i genuinely enjoyed nick cage's performance for the most part it's weird that we've seen we're halfway through this now we've seen 38 nick cage films
2: (laughs) 32.
4: 32 Nick Cage films? I went to art school. I don't do math. That's why I do a Nick Cage podcast. <laughs> we've, seen 30, we've seen Nick Cage in 32 roles right now. And every time we see him, for the most part, I don't see Nick Cage
1: doing a bit. I,
4: he's a good actor.
1: I believed him as Joe. Yeah, he played super just drunk, trashy, traumatized trucker realistically. Yeah. like It met all my expectations of drunk, trashy traumatized truckers.
4: Like, we've definitely seen Mm him act drunk
3: poorly and be
4: not believable.
1: We've seen him do it really well. We've seen him do it really well as well. He's very inconsistent in his drunk... I was gonna say,
3: my favorite moment of acting in this film was the first scene where he's wandering through the truck stop and looking at all the chips and soda and he's drinking a big gulp or whatever and there, I really felt like I was in that truck stop. It (laughs) elicited the feeling of being in a space like that with the big you know bright lights at early o'clock in the morning and
0: mm-hmm.
3: hearing some lady getting choked out in the bathroom and classic you, there.
1: you <laughs> know and you gotta put your ho right. down right i was
3: gonna yeah he turns down he, he, <laughs> turns he turns down the hostess um which yeah, i treats do set the counter which i don't understand i but. do love uh, you mean the dessert bar but yeah, he, he was good being down and out. I found it far less believable when he was um, frolicking in the hose. <laughs> oh,
4: yeah. Okay, so there's a few times in this <laughs> film where we see something that might be a dream sequence. Like when he gets to Julie's house the first time, she invites him in. And then it just cuts to them, like, running on the couch. Then they go inside. Is that the word you want Lisa to use? Just running?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is a common term a for
4: getting down. <laughs> Grossly like deer. I listen to a lot of Australian podcasts. This is uh, about a
3: truck driver. Remember? Yeah, uh,
4: you want like, nothing. Nothing he does is nice. You gotta this class is, it up. Like, he's not making love. He's running. He was prone boning. But he like has a vision of fucking this woman on the couch before yeah. he goes in the house, which is just sloppy editing And I now realize I'm like, is he maybe psychic, or you know, he's just.
1: Goal-oriented.
4: Also <laughs> all right, you find out that your the soul of your dead wife is in Billy. Playing right. cool dude. Why are you ha- like, why are you just waiting for her to like run down to the store real quick to have an affair? Cool it. I don't think
1: his ex-wife's ghost is all that good at cooling.
4: I mean, so they do establish that she had been at the funny
1: farm for a while. And I, I glazed over that. Yeah. yeah I like, didn't catch she, that. Oh, no, it's mentioned a few oh, times yeah. that she was in the nut house. Oh. Yeah, she
3: wasn't doing
1: so good. Yeah,
4: she doesn't do good on her own. I mean, crazy is sexy. So, And so it yeah. turns out. Uh,
1: this all tracks.
4: The way her and their daughter died was he went on a three day run and her cigarette lit the house on fire.
2: Well, no, she nope. killed him. <laughs> you go ahead. You say it. Oh, well, that's
0: what he <laughs> believes, is right,
4: what
3: I'm saying. Right.
1: And then we later
3: learn the
1: truth, which is that she killed her daughter and, and herself in a plea for like attention yeah which is wild because i've definitely known some people who would do something like this like like not to that extreme <laughs> but like uh, uh, uh. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think anybody's gonna like no it's just like i've dated some chicks who've like done and said some shit where it's like no your your thinking's not right there <laughs> like you cheated on me it's not my fault
0: Again, but you but,
1: know, and she was just trying to be like, oh, "Oh, he'll he'll." She kept saying, "Like I thought you'd show up before." It's like, okay, yeah. well, she's, she's not af- good at like making a, a safe experiment of like killing the child, though.
5: Yeah, that's yeah, what, one like, of those safe it's, like, experiments.
1: It's, like, I, I don't know any like good way of like like he's not going to show up if I if there's a stopper on the knife. Do knives have stoppers? Mm-hmm. Okay,
5: most well, most of um, them do.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it's got to be a real knife with no no safety on it, and you put that in the baby, and then your husband will show up before the baby dies. It's good. Totally. So, (laughs) welcome to cage match.
4: (laughs) So, when they get back to their old house, which is only half burnt out, because he says, like, they died in a fire, but the living room wasn't on, like, wasn't burnt out. The (laughs) baby's bedroom wasn't burnt out, although there was a burnt jack-in-the-box in in it.
5: Mm -hmm. If you watch the trailer, you're expecting this very jumpy Horror film with burned Jack in the boxes and like, you should see how bad I am with a knife, like comments like that. <laughs> but then you watch the film and it isn't jumpy like that at all. Even when they do the dream sequences, it feels like the tone, like psychologically, doesn't really shift all that much. Yeah, is he psychic? Is this a vision? Like, it's really hard to tell what the hell the mood is in these different worlds and to patch it all together. No. I thought it was a little manic in that yeah. regard. Written by the director, also. Yeah.
4: And then we get to see Nick Cage in a banana hammock.
5: Right. Oh, man. And
1: it's awesome. It's just what I pictured. Yeah. Which is a lot of like my body with Nicolas Cage's face. <laughs> um, I make this happen all the time that I post. You make it you the opposite such a... direction oh, where it's Nicolas Cage's body and my face. I
4: just want this to be shared for anyone who's not on Reddit. Peter, please <laughs> describe how I was described in the last City of Angels poster. Oh,
1: fuck. What was what was the exact phrase? Oh, the exact thing?
4: quote was...
1: We need to just give a shout out to whatever user it was. No. Hang on. Yeah, we'll okay, find oh.
4: it. All right. Also, Nick, this is where the comments are, apparently. <laughs>
1: yeah, Reddit is where
2: the comments are I for was going to
3: ask, how do fans reach out
4: to you?
2: Yeah, so Reddit would be the primary way that people could interact with us, and it's just a cage match pod. We also do try and make our Patreon have some interesting shit on there. Um, I try and throw little clips and goofs and previews into that, uh, and that's patreon.com slash cage match. So, on Reddit, uh, we were, we had posted about our previous episode, which was City of Angels against Kiss of Death. So, I ended up doing a Photoshop job of City of Angels, which is like a really hokey... Oh, it's Nick so Cage good. It's like
1: holding and kissing in, and yeah,
2: stuff. It's very, very sweet and precious. Mm-hmm. Um, my, one of my ex-wife's favorite films. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Mind you.
1: Yeah.
4: Is that why you're not married anymore? Because this is favorite film.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in this particular Photoshop job, uh, Nick ended up as Nick Cage, and Sean ended up as Meg Ryan, and Reddit user heartsplayer721 commented, Makes Meg Ryan look like a blonde Robert Downey Jr. Mm. I'll take it. That is going on my dating profile. Yeah. You you look charming in this picture.
4: I look charming everywhere, motherfucker. <laughs> it's only when I open my mouth that things kind of get sketchy.
2: We now know that you look good with tits and blonde hair, though.
4: Alright, oh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, this movie. Uh, it ends weird. Nick Cage loses his shit. Julie shows up with Billy's boyfriend. Julie gets shot. And has a tussle with Mary's spirit. Billy comes back, they leave, everyone else dies.
5: Yep. They're and, just desperate gotta, to do a David Lynch homage at the end yeah, with I mean, gotta, Wallace sound and tragedy and it's just yeah clunky as hell but like his death can we just talk about that a little bit
2: like what the fuck
4: oh that's <laughs> right he lights himself on fire <laughs> yeah.
2: and smokes a cigarette like,
4: but doesn't cigarette cry out on ever
2: himself. like i'm pretty sure if i lit myself on fire even if i was really like resolved to do that i am almost positive that the second i was on fire i would be screaming my
1: fucking ass off yeah he might have been <laughs> suffering from some real like disassociative stuff at that point because he was Pretty fucking ganked out. Yeah, yeah he was pretty weird in that scene. I just, I, I liked. He you. was half in the. He was between worlds himself.
4: Mm. I do like. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that's when you should have cracked your sparkle butter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like the, everything. <laughs> I do like the whole sequence of picks up gas can, pours it on self, lights cigarette, is on fire, takes one drag. Then puts a the cigarette out on himself, <laughs> mm-hmm. as if he just needs to hurt that little
5: bit right. more. And you could see the flame; you could see the yeah. cigarette going. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't in any way overshadowed by the giant flames <laughs> engulfing his body from the gasoline. You could see the little cigarette burn going into his heart. It so was a the- new, unique flame. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and then there is the second ending.
3: That's right.
1: Where we nope. saw
4: that coming. Where, yeah, where a young Joe takes a shotgun mm-hmm. while his dad is yelling at his mom and points the gun at his dad and his dad's like, finally standing up
1: for y- yourself and then credits. Yeah, it seems weird to add that at the very end. It's yeah. like, okay, it, the movie's it perfect. perfect.
2: <laughs> it's exactly right for this Yeah, film. It made no sense. It didn't fit at all. It's perfect for this movie. Yeah.
4: For this one, there, was, there were no fun facts I could find by like Google, but I did find the most amazing user reviews and I want to read just a couple to, to you. One of those rare Nicolas Cage movies when he comes to play, but makes watching him feel like work. (laughs) Mm. If you saw Mandy and wished more Nicolas Cage movies were dark, weird and personal, watch Between Worlds and be careful what you wish for. Cage makes four of these a year, and usually two of them are good, so Between Worlds isn't one of the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, my quote uh, is uh, when he first meets Julie, and she asks if he has a family, and he Pulls out a picture of his uh, wife and daughter and he goes, wife and daughter, you like,
0: whoops, they're dead.
5: <laughs> you know, I don't have a quote. I just have the the image of uh, Joe getting sprayed by a garden hose while he's doing the Captain Morgan
0: <laughs> leg step in
5: the
1: air. So profound. Yeah, all over a motorcycle. Like washing a motorcycle. <laughs> like everybody has to be on top of it to do it. I just want
3: to shout out that I think a lot of the sex scenes were really inspired by showgirls. The way that Billy is throwing herself around <laughs> on Nick Cage's lap feels very reminiscent of the pool sex scene and showgirls. Mm. On oh block
5: you know, and that might be a, a subtle David Lynch homage. Because That's true.
3: That's with with true. Connection. Yeah.
1: I'm wondering if Nick Cage has like a contract bump, like a significant contract bump for sex scenes where he's fully disrobed. Because in his more recent movies that we've seen him have sex scenes in now, there's always, and I'm really just referring to Drive Angry in this, there's clothing. Like he had the banana hammock on or in uh, Drive Angry, he still had pants on. I don't think he's uh, willing to take his pants off and do Hmm. the old bump and grind without it. I don't think he's willing to take his pants off in general. I mean, he took his pants off for this, and we saw the banana hammock. And City of Angels.
4: No, again, stunt dick.
1: Stunt stunt butt, too. A butt butt and a dick are
2: different. A butt and a dick are different, I understand Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Wait, what? How? (laughs) A butt is not a dick twin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, I do have a quote for this. Um, Oh, okay,
4: sorry, Peter. Yeah.
2: So uh, at one point, Julie comes in and is like, so do you want a beer? And his response was, does the tin man have a sheet metal
5: cock? (laughs)
1: That's right. I forgot about that one. (laughs) Classic.
5: Gary.
3: Earlier, you talked about the whole film being manic. Mm -hmm. And disjointed and yeah. also
5: shout out mental illness you know i mean big illness. up that's if right. you've got mental health problems <laughs> that's, a, that's the
1: other connection of these two films yeah just find yourself a lady who talks to ghosts yeah you have, to have interdimensional sex
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. but i think both of these films at first i had no idea why these two films were put together in this uh random chance Okay, well, <laughs> let's pretend you made an intentional yeah, choice. Yeah, we will pretend and, that
2: we did. Because yeah, I on. do
3: feel that both films have this in common. And maybe as a complete Nicolas Cage amateur, maybe this is a broader theme here, but the <laughs> movies as a whole, both of them, I think, really embodied this thing about Nicolas Cage of there being this question of, is it is he doing something that's just trash? Or is he creating something that's really interesting, meaningful interesting art and you know his acting style is is pretty wild out there manic disjointed however you want to call it the both of these films are that as well i think the difference is that between worlds doesn't do it very successfully i would argue and i think vampire's kiss nails it i think that the way that vampire's kiss is fucking crazy is really genius well, this was something I actually wanted to talk about this week and start doing is
4: uh, where do we put this on the bad actor, bad movie, good actor, good movie spectrum for Nick Cage? Is this good acting in a bad movie? Is it bad acting in a bad movie? Where would you put this? You've seen the Venn diagram of this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, is you know, I thought he was all right in this up until the end. I wouldn't say his performance was bad. He, he
1: put He put the work in. I wouldn't say it's like a top 50% for him. I think he said, no. of course not.
5: I honestly, I disliked the, the story so much, the film from like a director and writing standpoint so much that I would say it's great acting on his part because he actually made it a little bit watchable for me, mm. honestly, because I I just thought the whole thing was horrendous. And aesthetically speaking, what you were saying, Roxanne, I think the 30 years that separate these films from 88 to 2018 the the just the general aesthetic of the two was so stark I, I i think all the warmth and the color the texture uh watching vampire's kiss to me visually is so interesting and this was grotesque Um i just loved the the aesthetic of vampire's kiss so much more i was
1: trying to do a lot of the watching for these around a trip to las vegas and so some of it happened to be just like I was watching movies on
5: airplanes. Oh, that's perfect for this. And
1: film. <laughs> I had watched Between Worlds beforehand, and I was like, oh, okay, I shouldn't watch Between Worlds again on the flight. You should not watch that movie in a public place because <laughs> I know there's going to be a lot of boobs and stuff like that, and I don't want to have to like. Actually, surprisingly, it
3: as few boobs. They're usually they're usually covered. There's up. a lot
5: of side Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. Little,
3: there's very little nipple. Wait, but there's a lot of boob.
5: I think that's, that's breaking that's the good. fifth wall, because then you're watching that scene where they're doing the unconsensual kinky sex act on a plane, unconsensually showing that act to your seatmates. Um I mean, That's gangster. Which is double negative,
2: so
1: totally consensual. Yep. yep.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in San Francisco. That's how this
1: works, yes. <laughs> well, I ended up watching Vampires Kiss, and then the flight attendant showed up as soon as the first top came off, so... I had that experience, <laughs> and I'm like trying to cover my laptop. Like I'm embarrassed for myself. Did you now. really was, put like, your hands in front of it? Was, oh, that's it was just perfect. Just like don't look at it. Don't look at my shame. And I closed it, but the volume like switched from my headphones to the computer. So and, and it's just like
4: <laughs> hmm. you know. The only thing I would make that story better. I just want better? a
1: sparkling water, please. <laughs> the
4: only thing that would make that story better. Flight attendant who walked up behind you, was Hayden, and just stood there um. for a while. Oh.
1: No, that would have been fine. I would have turned the volume up then. I did get a guy, as soon as I shut it and she left, the guy across the aisle from me was like, hey, man, I really like that you're watching that movie. That's one of my favorite movies. Was (laughs) it Nicolas Cage? No. uh, So so he's a guy from Portland. Uh, Shout out to guy from Portland who works for Seattle Lighting. Did did you tell him about our podcast? I did. He's going to check it out. Nice. So if you listen. Thanks, buddy. Cool
4: vampire's kiss
1: (laughs) nailed it that's your best one to date
4: i always stick the landing all right so this is why you guys wanted to be on this podcast so why don't you uh sell us vampire's kiss real quick what's this film about
3: (sighs) what isn't this film about really
5: (laughs) i agree it's mythic in proportion so, okay, we talked about a second ending for Between Worlds. I thought the second ending of this film was also uh, extremely uh, meaningful and poignant.
1: Straight to the ending. Whoa, uh,
5: and <laughs> this it, is what I like. Well, it's actually, it's the beginning. It, the, the beginning of the ending, they form a circle because we're talking about vampires and eternity. It's all there. It, it's, it's really beautiful. I thought this film was really powerful. Really stoked to be talking about it. Yeah, I think it's about New York City. I think it's about U.S. America. I think it's about capitalism about race. It's about so many different things. I, I, I think that the the monster motif is, is so it, it's such a powerful container and you can put so much into it. I think that's why we're just going to see for as long as we live monster movies. You're going to see the zombies and the ghosts and the vampires they are never going away because they point in almost any direction you want them to go. And I, I thought this film in particular, they used the vampire just exquisitely, like really, really well done.
3: Yeah, I agree. So for context, Gary and I came to this film in the month of October when the Criterion channel was um, running a a series of vampire movies. And so we watched a bunch of vampire films all in a row. I'm sure maybe some of the people listening to this are much better acquainted with vampire stuff than me. Mm -hmm.
5: And me too. I was not moving you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're vampire noobs. Yeah. Haven't seen Twilight all But admit we it.
5: geeked out. We watched a bunch we of We went women.
3: hard on vampires for a minute. So if somebody wants to make a sex joke there, <laughs> feel free. <laughs> and something
5: I learned as we did this was that there's roughly two categories of vampire films there's vampires who are out to feed, or vampires who are ready to lay down their eternal burden and die.
3: And this movie is kind of neither, which really makes it stand out in the vampire canon. And I think, yeah, says some really interesting things. Basically, Nick Cage's character in this film starts out as a normal human who is kind of hoity-toity. He works at a... What are you laughing at? Well, normal,
5: if you call a sadistic capitalist, normal, yes. Well, which it is. And <laughs> <laughs> Just,
4: if I can interject real quick, Nicolas Cage plays Peter Lowe, Maria Conchita Alonso plays Alva. Jennifer Beals is Rachel. Elizabeth Ashley is Dr. Glazer.
3: So Nicholas Cage's character is a works at a fancy literary, um, like a publishing agency in New York City. He's desperately, it seems, searching for love, connection, sex, something. We don't really exactly know, but he's after, after women in bars and looking to fill. Something in his life Mm -hmm. and
5: meaning. He's in Jungian analysis.
3: Yeah, he he has a therapist and an um, analyst. That's correct, an (laughs) analyst (laughs) up in a high tower in Manhattan. So he's he's not he's not in a happy place. And one of the women that he takes home turns out to be a vampire who bites him and continues to feed on him. Mm
5: -hmm. With the lamest pickup line of all time, he leans over his shoulder and says, "I like your earrings." It always works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, juxtaposed against his pickup line later in the movie, (laughs) he just gives her that solid look. Takes a chomp.
3: (laughs) Let's talk about those teeth later.
1: More physical Um, jokes for all the people (laughs) out there on our audio podcast. Yeah,
4: Yeah, that's Nick's new thing. Yeah,
1: Really big on this. It's very avant-garde, Dick. I love it.
5: I think Nick Cage would be proud of it.
1: I just discovered visual comedy recently and I'm trying to share it with people. I think it's going to be a a big craze. So,
4: Rachel, the vampire who he meets and bites him. Does she? Oh. I mean, this is really what this movie comes down to me does he think he's becoming a vampire or is this just a guy in the city who becomes the raving lunatic on the corner? Mm. Oh, you
5: know, if she doesn't bite him and he actually is just becoming more and more himself as the picture of like an unhinged white male American hero, capitalist, publishing, Wall Street guy. I mean, that's that's even more terrifying than a vampire, actually. I mean,
4: that's what this movie's about, though. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. yes. Like, after right. his first night with Rachel, he goes to shave, and he's, like, humming to himself in the morning, and he cuts, like, he cuts himself shaving. That's when he that's when we first see the Band-Aid. After she bit bitten him, and then he goes into uh, his bedroom with the coffee, and he hands it to her, and he just starts shaking.
0: Mm. Right, because mm. there's nobody there. That's so, a
5: brilliant then. insight, because... It, they break one of the rules of vampire films if he is a vampire, which is that she keeps feeding on him after he thinks he's a vampire, which that's no, that's a no go. You can't vampires don't feed on each other.
1: There's all sorts of levels for how to turn somebody. Usually in my experience, there's an exchange where it would be like the vampire feeds drains and then replenishes with their own tainted blood, which we never see. So like a lot of times, uh, like the, familiar or whatever the thrall of the vampire would be used just for feeding. And then they would get like, they wouldn't be drained mm-hmm. and then replenished, but they would get like a, a taste of it. And that's how like Renfield and whatnot would have his powers. It's uh, a a boon given through the blood. Usually to turn somebody, in my experience of <laughs> vampires. Turning people. yeah, Peter, have, when I turn have you ever seen on, Nick in Daylight? Not once. Interesting. (laughs) I do always wait for you to invite me into the house too. Fuck does. Shit, it's not the locked door at all.
5: (laughs) What I'm thinking about right now is like I feel like I invited myself onto this podcast to sound smart. Now I feel very dumb because I feel like I missed the whole point. But also that's wonderful because you know it's right there in the title, "Vampires Kiss." Like he maybe he doesn't get. But he gets okay. just the kiss let's, and everything is just in his mind. Let's let's break well, this scene. Let's break this scene. It down. certainly tracks when he runs into her later, too. Yeah,
4: no, like let's break this down. Cause so he meets Rachel at a bar, takes her home.
2: She also hang on, I gotta talk. Did him. you did you notice that it was David Hyde Pierce at the bar? Yes. I Josie did called that up right away. Yeah. She was like, Yeah, David, Hyde Pierce, David and, Hyde Pierce and uh, Ben Stiller's sister are having a chat at the
1: bar before he goes no. and hits on. Oh, that's, I so, did not catch uh Ben Stiller's sister, but I didn't dig into the credits on that one. Oh, I yeah. would never recognize her. So.
4: so the movie starts with him in therapy talking about how he brought this woman home. He was like really into her but immediately it was just the next day it was like get out. And meets Rachel. They go home. She gets she gets the chomping. But then like the very next scene is him giving her coffee in the morning but she's not there. And that's when he starts to get a little weird. And then she starts appearing in his office like in his bedroom when he's supposed to go meet the woman he's dating at the beginning of the film, but he doesn't leave his apartment because Rachel doesn't want him to. We, you know, we keep seeing Rachel over and over again and she has the fangs. And then at the end of the film... She's got the good fangs. And at the end of the film, when he's, uh, after he's done a bitey murder, he sees Rachel again and she's mocking him because, you know, they're nothing alike. And his imaginary vampire girlfriend has an imaginary boyfriend. And then he goes and confronts her on the dance floor. Also, shout out, all good vampire movies have industrial club that's right industrial dance clubs uh goes and grabs her on the dance floor she and he's like remember me and she's like oh yeah you're rob Lowe. no
0: peter Lowe. peter Lowe. (laughs) (laughs) it's
4: like oh you're you're peter right yeah we met and he's like you break up with me and like she has no idea who he is like this has all been like an affectation of his mind Mm -hmm. like I grew up in San Francisco. There are weird people in San Francisco and you always wonder how someone gets to like screaming on a street corner. And this whole second mm. second half of this movie for me was just that's where that guy started. The first act of this film I'm like this needs to stop. I did not enjoy it. And as soon as that idea clicked for me I'm like oh this is mm. this is heart-wrenching. This is this
2: is this is amazing. Yeah, truly.
3: And I think something that's important too is the way that it shows not only how the guy ends up like that on the street corner but it connects that lunatic on the street corner to the guy in the office who's harassing his workers yeah. right. who's tormenting his secretary yeah. alva
5: his most vampiric act in the whole film mm-hmm. is what he does with alva i mean when he hangs too up the, late. when he hangs up the yeah when he hangs too up late, the phone with, with the guy who's like oh it's totally chill don't worry about it i don't even need that it's a, yeah. it's a memento yeah. that's what alva's looking for is a meaningless memento and then she's desperate to be relieved of this responsibility. And he goes berserk on her. It was so brutal.
1: I loved the dynamic of Peter as a boss in quotes in this situation. To me, he comes across as such a, a low level executive in this movie. I think the stress leads him to over project a lot and kind of make these power plays in like a, a mental capacity yeah. against his secretary because she's the only one that he really has any control or any power mm. well, that's like the limit of his control even when he's uh talking to the other executives after he confronts uh, alva in the restroom yeah when he chases her in the bathroom
4: yeah uh, to that point uh one of the things i read about this film is the affectation of his
3: voice that very I
4: think
2: mid-Atlantic
0: you two- yeah. so
3: British. I read that he was sort of modeling himself after his father and the styling of Americans who want to sound fancier than they are. Okay, yeah. yeah. Donald like the-
1: Trump. Right, hmm. and run for president yes. about yeah. it. Uh, yeah. that, so, is, that is called the transatlantic uh, accent. It came about in the oh. late 1800s, oh. 1900s, and it was a way of uh, people in the East Coast specifically kind of affecting a semi-british semi-american completely its own thing mm. yeah the we're, whole we're act- back to being a history podcast yeah fuck yeah the whole <laughs> and dialect <laughs> podcast the whole
4: aspect- <laughs> the whole affectation is that of peter's it's not nicholas cage's performance the character of peter wants people to think he's a bit of an aristocrat and smarter mm. than he actually is absolutely so he yeah. puts on that performance and it goes in and out
1: yeah his accent's so inconsistent mm-hmm maybe that works
5: well in totally it furthers the point that he's yeah. he's a phony i mean yeah. to the to the point you were making nick about his power over alba it, it like it almost makes a fool of him like oh look who he has power over yeah. in this society someone who has very very little power and one dress
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> one one tablecloth
4: yeah and she
5: lives with her, her mother and her, her brother and they're, they live in, in the burbs yeah exactly yeah. right also, and that's his kingdom like,
4: my boss chased me into uh, the bathroom the other day I think my boss is gonna like hurt me or rape me and everyone's just like get to fucking
1: work well you know you gotta work that's the capitalism <laughs> side of it all
0: which totally. is I again
4: mean, going back to your whole thing about this being, like, the true vampire.
0: Yeah, I think also, so. That
3: That's exactly what uh, what he says, what Joe says. Tucker Joe, you gotta work. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it that all comes great. together. Truly. I thought the opening scene was really... We're now um, a bootstraps podcast, everybody. <laughs> grab them. Let's go. <laughs> But I, I really liked the opening scene that the first visual that you get is of uh, a long canyon of New York City streets and uh, all of the brake lights are on and all the lights are red. And so you're seeing like the red arterial veins of the city and they're, they've got the blood in them. Um, I thought that was really deft and comparing that to the like heavy handedness of between worlds. It's like they just show it to you for a second and then they're like into the story. And there was so much of that, like, yeah, even just missing that point that he never really does get bit. Like, there's there's just so much to sort through in this film.
4: Because I think we only um, really see his neck one time as bitten, and that's when he imagines Rachel is going to bite him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he takes it off for Rachel to bite him again. One point, I thought the bandage changed sides.
2: Well, there's a lot of mirror
0: stuff. There's a lot of mirror so. stuff. Mm.
4: He starts, like, and to the mirror stuff, he starts not being able to see his own reflection that we can
1: And that's
4: an issue. Where am I? Where am I? You're in the bathroom trying to take a dump. (laughs) This movie, at the hour mark, gets to be one of his
1: best movies ever. The movie's good from the opening shot. What Gary's talking about with those establishing shots in the beginning, I loved the score of this movie. The score Mm -hmm. of this was so well done. Truly, But then when you add that, to these opening shots. Uh, like It's all like dawn or dusk. There's a tension built into the way it's shot that I think really carries into the movie and it, it adds a lot of uneasiness. I mean, certainly on a, a subsequent watching, you can like look out for all these little things. Oh, but My
4: initial journey through this film was there is not a through line here <laughs> until there is, and it's a hard shift. Mm-hmm. but it's so good when and, was that moment for you it's at the very specific line tell him i'm in a meeting well what if i'm in a meeting <laughs> <laughs> uh, um no it's when Alba finally finds the contract she comes into his office and he loses it mm-hmm. like rachel's sucking on his neck and he opens the door and she's like i found it. he's like it's too late alpha but no it's not too late alpha. too late Too late, too late. And he
1: starts chasing her down the stairs through the building, like in the sub basement. It is such a good American psycho chase. Absolutely. There's a lot of parallels to be drawn from that.
4: But he chases her down in the basement. She has a gun, Uh, it's got blanks in it that she got from her brother. And he's confronting her there. And at this point, he's just like, he's convinced he's a vampire. He can't see his reflection anymore and he's telling her to shoot him, and she's keeps shooting at the floor, because she can't shoot him. It's like, no, shoot me! Shoot me! And he, like, attacks her, and... and uh...
5: There's a sexual assault. I mean, the ultimate vampiric act?
4: Um, and then... But they like, they read
5: it large, because yeah. usually yeah. it's just alluded to. The sucking on the neck is alluding to rape. But, it's alluding to sexual yeah. assault. And Peter Lowe does it, yeah. all to your point. And, and it's he, like, he's a vampire, as just a regular-ass dude. So,
4: like, but <laughs> like you know, that's when... The whole plot with him losing his mind and the whole alt, him just being a dick, all, all things like kind of coalesce and goes directly into him running down the street going, I'm a
0: vampire!
4: I'm a vampire! I'm a
0: vampire!
4: <laughs> and that's when the movie clicked for me because I'm like, I grew up in a big city. Like, I've definitely seen someone running down the street street screaming something that insane. Took you that long right. to get into that? <laughs> it help- did. I mean, that's okay. I mean, I'm- As I'm just watching the first hour of this, I'm like, what is this movie trying to be? And Mm -hmm. it wasn't until then that I realized, oh, this is a dissection of how capitalism, the big city, and just all that weighing pressure leads to a mental breakdown. He wants to be seen as this big executive. He has a shitty apartment.
1: That was one thing I noticed about everything he presents himself as, and then, like, from the very beginning you see how terrible his apartment is like yeah. he's got a really small really narrow kitchen with gross
5: ass stove roaches speaking of the kitchen when he comes out of it with the coffee he hums a stravinsky tune correct roxanne and isn't that when nick cage cost the film like ten thousand dollars correct
3: yeah they ran out back. of money by yeah. the end of the film that's
4: yeah. amazing
2: <laughs> well, okay, let's talk about some PETA stuff now, then, right?
5: <laughs> oh, yeah,
4: he got in trouble for the... That's right. Let's talk... Oh, because oh, he ate a bug. He ate a roach.
3: Water bug, water technically, uh, but yes.
5: Uh, he
4: ate two, he, actually. Oh, yeah. that
5: takes some of the panache out of it, because a cockroach would be way grosser no, than no, a water bug. No, no, water
3: bugs. bugs are bigger. Yeah.
5: But the cockroach has the median insides. Water bugs, they're, they're spongy. They're just made of water. I've eaten both,
2: so yeah. trust me.
1: <laughs> Either way, this was... Water bugs if you're watching your calories. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, that. the
4: caloric density. Yeah. Uh, he, this wasn't in the script. He thought this would be a good thing because it harkened back to Dracula. And he's like, oh, this is what, you know, someone would do. So it was his idea. He immediately regretted it. And what I read is they took three takes to get it done.
1: <laughs> and he said everything inside of him was telling him not to do it as he was doing. You could tell, like in his face, when he's chewing it, because they give you such a direct shot. <laughs> it's like he's counting dollar bills as he like chews. It's Like, oh, okay, they're gonna seven, eight, ten million dollars. Like,
2: There's no way he made ten million dollars
1: for this. <laughs> no, but in his own head, he probably could have hoped for that. That said,
3: from what I read, it seemed like he. Really, really wanted this part, and really, really loved this part, and really, really loves this part. Oh, he said, man. as recently as a few years ago, that this was his favorite movie. Yeah, 2018.
4: He, he said this was uh, his favorite performance. His while favorite he was
5: shooting again. between, no, while Between Worlds was out, yeah. he was. This was like a GQ in interview. Uh,
4: when he smashes up his apartment, that was all done in one shot because it was all like real furniture. It wasn't any, none of it was stage furniture. Yeah, so there's set a lot of, like, two glass, cameras so... and let him go to
1: town. I. Get excited at a good smash yes, scene it's because it's like, God, it. I want to do that someday. I want to just like be able to go into a room and be like, I'm gonna destroy Bookett, everything, and I'm gonna destroy that in the weirdest way. Does that not but,
5: exist? Like, what's with this escape room bullshit? I don't well, need a okay, problem, I want <laughs> there, something there, to destroy. There are smash <laughs> there rooms. There are, are, smash, are rooms, smash. Oh, good. There. I'm glad uh, this problem has been solved. Cool. I,
4: going back to uh, Joe, uh, him being a non union trucker in the first film, this was a non union film. Huh. uh that opening scene where he's uh trying to hail a cab with his date apparently they had to refilm that scene a lot because they were union film workers with bullhorns and like air horns
5: just ruining the shot that's you know that's really apropos too because like it's almost the film commenting on itself this whole piece about capitalism
1: yeah yeah and then being a non-union crew or production totally okay. so okay. They I could
5: push all their workers to the brink
3: and if they're going to exploit the imagery of truckers in the movie as they do, then it's the least they could do to acknowledge the fact that the whole history of union busting within the trucking industry is a really devastating one. And one that has meant that truckers can no, most truckers no longer are able to make a living and support a family the way they were used, they used
5: to do. Eat shit, eat shit, Bezos. That's yeah. right.
1: And truck driver used to be, at least in uh, this, the the Northwest, one of the most... Prolific jobs. Like, there were more truck drivers in the state of Oregon than any other job. Now, let's talk about yogurt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Nick. I'm great at segues. <laughs> so, who else like, is turned on by hot yogurt on the feet?
2: Uh, uh, who amongst us isn't?
3: <laughs>
4: so, uh, I like I hot yogurt on so, the feet. According to an associate producer and casting director, Nick Cage requested hot yogurt be poured on his toes. To get aroused for the sex scene with Jennifer Beals,
1: was it necessary for him to be aroused? Yes, Apparently. because he didn't like her. Yeah. Apparently,
3: he thought she was not interesting. He hated that she was casted for the part.
2: Yeah, he wanted his girlfriend Patricia Arquette to be the role.
1: Mm, interesting. Okay, uh, here's just a uh, both of the women, Rachel and Jackie, the two chicks that he like picks up at bars, both African American.
5: Nick, I, I think that plays into the broader <laughs> commentary that's happening. I mean,
1: it, it, yes, it could be part of a bigger theme. It absolutely worry, because Peter, Alva
5: Alva it. is also a person of color, so all he's expressing all of this uh, libidinal energy, yeah. all all of this like really intense.
1: Well, all exchange. of his predatory nature and stuff, like even Ex- just picking up chicks. It's Except predatory. for the one, the
3: woman he kills, the the woman who's painted as the sort of true victim is a right. white woman, a blonde the, woman.
5: Yeah, the prize, mm-hmm. the damsel in distress, is the white woman. Well, she's the classic, like uh, victim.
3: Right. Exactly. But these other women who uh, play these more sort of complicated roles and
5: mm-hmm. they're prey. They're not victims. Mm-hmm. We we should feel sad for the for the unsuspecting victim. But like Alva is, you know, she should quit.
3: Right.
4: Also, oh, would be remiss if we didn't just. Briefly point out the whole theory that Nick Cage is actually a vampire because of that photo from the 1800s. I don't know have about you not, it. Have you not heard this?
5: No. Come on.
4: It's the same thing with like yeah, Kian, who's like an, a Highlander.
1: Yeah. They uh, both got serious Dorian Gray shit. Yeah. On. No.
4: There's a there's a fo- someone found a photo in like 2011 uh, from the 1800s that looks shockingly similar to Nicholas Cage.
2: Perfect. I mean, I feel like we're all just on repeat at some point.
1: Like don't picture me,
2: put it up in the future. Like there's
4: gonna be another, there's gonna be
2: another
1: guy yeah. that looks in. Like I mean, there's more of us. Doctor who has a whole thing about like repeating faces. I'm just a skipping record. Like literally <laughs> every five years I find somebody who looks exactly like me. <laughs> <laughs> i want that photo montage <laughs>
4: <laughs> the only other fun fact i have about this film is apparently at one point travolta and stallone were considered for the lead roles oh really? my
3: and dennis quaid was cast in it actually i i missed that before there was a whole drama about casting
2: right <laughs> yeah because yeah, cage ch- had, had wanted it and then backed
5: out and then it was quaid and then cage like really wanted it back <laughs> Wow, that's wild. That that almost makes me think like all of the epic and really like artful storytelling that I'm projecting onto this film is totally accidental. Like if they were really thinking of Travolta and Stallone for this, they must not have been trying to do something very highbrow. And I'm over no, here like, I think you know, with my pinky in the air. About I think Cage. Film. No, this
4: is this is 100% Cage. Like Cage brought the gravitas to this film.
3: For me, it, there was such a weird experience watching this breakdown that. Peter Lowe goes through because the second time I watched the movie, I started to feel some empathy, but I really, it was really hard for me to get to feeling actually any sort of compassion for this person. I think the reason for that was because you're, you're not only watching a mental breakdown, which is something that is this painful experience of suffering. And that's very worthy of compassion, but you're also watching him do it in a very particular context of corporate, patriarchal, white supremacist America where as he is spiraling out and starting to behave more and more aggressively, violently, in public, the people around him don't give a shit because his behaviors are so normalized. Right, in like well, the,
2: the boardroom, you oh, know, exactly. Like, oh, well, that no, scene was chilling. She right.
1: asked for she asked for yeah. a raise after right. you assaulted her. Oh, what well, a crazy bitch! Take it out of Attila's paycheck. Fuck you.
4: <laughs> well, to that point, also at the end of the film, when he's fully gone, he hallucinates being in the therapist's office, saying this yes. whole time he's just wanted, he's just looking for love. So his, the imaginary therapist sets him up with one of her patients, and they're right. perfect for each other uh-huh. for ten minutes. <laughs> And then he goes, he just, and as he's about to leave, the imaginary neighbor's office is like, oh, by the way, I sexually
3: assaulted a woman. She's like, totally fine.
4: Yeah, just a little in-release. <laughs> That's
3: right. People are murdered in New York
4: every like, day. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> <when> <laughs> I killed
4: her. It's like, no one's even called the police yet. What are you worried about? I'll and just, he completely just disassociates from everything he does, imagines the person who's in charge of his mental health telling him, it's all fine.
5: Yeah, it's quite prescient of Trump in a way, this whole like... That's right. You, yeah. you just break the law in public and you you brag about it. And then everyone's like, oh, no big deal. It's just a little bit of treason with the Russians. <laughs> right. So one,
2: one thing that really stood out to me and I really appreciated from kind of a filmmaking perspective is just how much this like cribs and tributes like classic monster movies this is one of the most like quotable and memeable nick cage movies of all time like any other like crazy faces it's either from this or from wicker man or face or face off so much of that is sort of inspired by like old dark german style oh yeah where, like everything has to be these exaggerated monster moves and claws creeping across a bed and all
1: that eyes. kind of stuff bulging well, eyes and when he was at the breaking down the club it was just straight nosferatu yeah, movements absolutely. and like body's posture
4: so i watched this great interview with nicholas cage talking about just this because he grew up and loved silent films and this was a large experiment and it's like how can i be a silent film monster in a modern film. Like, how can I bring that physical acting to cinema now?
5: When he's dragging the the piece of the palette through the street and he just screams out,
4: <laughs>
5: just at the top of his lungs. Uh, That
4: was my quote.
5: <laughs> no, to peter's
4: point, this is a very quotable movie, so why don't we just round
3: robin this and just until we run out? <laughs> I can't say it with the right intonation, but I I just love the part where he literally says "boo."
2: <laughs> yeah, I, that's so ridiculous. So it's after he has assaulted uh, Alva and then has shot himself in the head with her gun that shoots blanks, and then he just. <laughs> <laughs>
5: He recites the alphabet.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: brilliant!
2: So there, there's a uh, another Nick Cage podcast um, with this guy host, who's the host named Daryl Edge, and he's actually going to be a guest on our show in July. And his intro uses the alphabet to spell out Cage Rage, which is the end of this show. That's
3: amazing. Well, I'll just jump in with another one, right. <laughs> which is I never misspelled anything, not once, not one time. <laughs>
2: I've... With tons of gestures too. Oh, yeah. his yeah. body work in this is incredible.
3: <laughs>
4: I like. He's that. petulant. He's petulant as fuck. I was in Mortal Kombat with a fucking bat. Give me a break. <laughs>
2: That's a good one. Uh, I, one that it was. I think when he was in therapy, he says, uh, "We were on the bed, and suddenly this bat swoops <laughs> down out of nowhere." Yeah. And she says, "A bat?" And he goes, "Holy shit." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. it was so good
4: I can't remember where this one's from but I just loved it yeah well fuck you too sister
2: <laughs> it was also with the therapist and he says she's, she's asking about something however he was dealing with something in the night and he goes oh yes okay I know I guess I was pretty horny pretty, pretty <laughs> keyed up from being with the girl the night before I was drunk too that was it I'd had a little to drink I was a little drunk plus I was horny <laughs>
5: yep. and just, point just, of order uh brilliant. she's an analyst a all,
0: <laughs> b of all she's
5: a cougar right oh yeah and she was hooking up with a that's high right, we oh, saw great, him. that's right and see of all, she is also m-
1: fucking thirsty as shit when yeah. he mentioned getting like turned on by the bat he's like let's circle back to that
5: <laughs> and and see a ball uh she is not the only analyst in uh Fact or fiction? To hook up two of her clients.
3: Rob's <laughs> alluding to the fact that we have friends who were uh, introduced through their mutual analysts. Oops, that <laughs> is <laughs> problematic.
0: Although
4: uh, oh, right. to be fair, she didn't. It was all in his head. Right. Um, <laughs> all right. I do love when uh, he when he's gone full vampire and he's like running around the city asking for people to stake him, and uh, he's like yelling he's a vampire. To people going into church on Sunday morning, and. You know he, uh, the bells are going <laughs> off. He goes, "Christ, the torches of the
0: damned!"
4: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got one more that we can do. You know, is when he's, uh, like Peter alluded to earlier, uh, he's in this perfect relationship with an imaginary woman for ten minutes, and he gets home. And he's like, it's like always the same. Why'd you become a vampire? Why can't you be normal? Does this mean we can't have kids? <laughs>
1: Okay, so my favorite quote, just a little context. Nick Cage is berating Alva for having not finished or not found this contract. He calls out to one of the other secretaries to see what Alva's up to. The secretary's like, Oh, she's just uh getting ready to go. And he's like, Oh, we'll send her in. So he has her come in and he's all like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. They talk for a second. It's like, Oh, why do you have your coat on? And she's like, Oh, I was about to leave. So Peter just says Alva, there is no one else in this entire office that I could possibly ask to share such a horrible job. You're the lowest on the totem pole here, Alva. The lowest. Do you realize that? Every other secretary who's been here has been here longer than you, Alva. Every one. And even if there was someone here who had been here just one day longer than you, I still wouldn't ask that person to partake in such a miserable job, as long as you were around. That's right, Alva. It's a horrible, horrible job. Sifting through old contract after old contract. I couldn't think of a more horrible job if I wanted to. And you have to do it. You have to. Or I'll fire you. Do you understand? Do you? Good. Then there's no problem then. Is there? And it's like, I fucking love that little monologue. Because it's like, I've had terrible bosses. I've had terrible jobs. And I've had people try to fucking strong arm me in said job with shit like that. And it's like, God. And it's just insane the way he straight up says to her face, I'm making your life miserable only because I can.
0: Mm.
5: Yeah,
3: Mm -hmm. That was the hottest part of the film. It was really good.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Those white eyes. I don't want to throw shade at publishers because i'm sure they do something i'm sure peter Lowe's the job that he has i'm sure that person does something so i almost feel like that role that he's playing is also vampiric like, oh absolutely you publish somebody else's work you take credit for it you suck the lifeblood out of it like what the fuck does a publisher even do no offense publishers out no for there. real though
2: what's ironic though because you read the the ringer article as well is that one of the producers of this because this movie was so weirdly panned none of them could get work after it and mm. she ended up starting her own publishing house.
3: <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, the ex of the screenwriter.
2: Interesting. So this got negative feedback, huh? Oh, yeah. This was this was not a movie that was well received. It actually like really fucked up the director's career, the producers wow. that were involved. The only one who kind of came away unscathed was Nick Cage because his performance was so unusual. Um, but then it really got like a cult following and that's when it really kind of got new life but it didn't it didn't make any money it didn't really impact anybody in a positive way in terms of reviews it was sort of a dead movie
5: yeah 88 wasn't the time for a myth like this i i I feel like 88 was such a time of optimism in u.s america and that level Mm. of like real, like, deep self-inquiry was just, like, taboo, you know? It was like, we are doing it. This is the shit, like, everything about this is awesome.
4: On the uh, spectrum, good cage, bad movie? Bad cage, good movie? Good cage, good movie?
2: I mean, in my opinion, good cage, good movie. Yeah, I think this turned cage, good good into movie. a good cage, yeah. good movie. Double good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a fucking wacky performance. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely so weird. insane. Can Surely. we
3: talk for just a minute about the scene where he gets his teeth. When you say, like, you had a hard time feeling bad for him, this is the scene where I really feel bad for him. Yes! Yes! That's exactly what I was gonna say. This is the part where, like, I felt my heart open to Peter Lowe because he walks into some kind of esoteric (laughs) shop and he does Your not standard
1: corner occult store right yep
3: <laughs> and he he asks the shopkeeper for teeth he sees some nice teeth that are kind of realistic and he cannot afford them he no longer has the cash in his wallet they're 20 dollars. <laughs> <laughs> but he can afford these teeth and so he has to buy the cheapies <laughs>
4: which
3: he keeps putting it in like in different directions because sometimes like the yeah. underbite
4: and overbite change in every scene.
3: <laughs> Didn't notice that part. But yeah. yeah, the poor guy sits on a park bench and rips into this package.
2: But then like my empathy disappears because he puts them in and kind of like chomps real quick and then he crawls <laughs> away from the bench. <laughs> I'm he's like, uh-oh. So
4: uh-oh. Peter, Peter, he's a cat. He's a sexy, sexy cat. cat. <laughs>
5: But, but with those teeth then he does he does tally one kill, which I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think that he becomes a vampire, but that does problematize a little bit that he's able to bite someone to death.
4: He doesn't with the teeth, though, because you yeah. see right after he does kills her. he take her, him out? Well, you don't he seem to take him out. But when you, after you see him kill her, like, he turns around and just pops them back in.
2: He does have a kill with the teeth. Of the pigeon, pigeon, the pigeon. The which right. also so added- are pigeon's that easy to catch. Holy
4: fuck! <laughs> okay, no. Okay, there's there's a story about this. The pigeon he did grab was drugged, but he wasn't told that they drugged a pigeon. They just told him to go out and catch a pigeon. But they drugged one to make it so he would catch one. Eventually.
5: So he would believe it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Y'all want to drug some pigeons? Fine. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about how he gets himself killed. Yes. Um, what did y'all make of that scene?
4: Well, I was just I was excited for a good old fashioned tire ironing. Mm-hmm. so yeah alva alva tells her brother what happened so her brother breaks into peter's home and is gonna like tire iron him to death and peter's there with that hunk of wood he kicked out from a pallet earlier and as soon as like the daylights on him, he like puts the piece of wood to his chest and the brother's like all right
1: shove yeah well he's been asking people to stay stake him him for a while yeah. for like the last like one or so scenes for him It it would have been sad if they didn't. And, you know, they went right for it. The pallet wood is oriented the wrong direction to go through his ribs. Yeah. (laughs) But I still enjoyed it. I think it was the appropriate death for him.
3: This is going back a little bit to, I guess it relates to it. some of you were talking about earlier with the opening shots of, of New York City skyline and just really love the way that they use the city as a backdrop throughout the whole movie. And there's so many interesting moments, I guess, both both outside, in the, on the city, in the streets, and also inside. Um, I thought they just did a really good job of creating this environment that, like the music, it creates this feeling of dread and doom, which really counters the sense of absurdity and comedy that's also happening. And it makes it very, I think the first time I watched it, yeah, I got this feeling. I was just totally confused. What, like, what the hell is this second time around though? I really, whether or not it was intentional, I thought that it had a great effect Mm -hmm. that juxtaposition just made me think about vampires as extensions of their environment. Like all monsters are kind of representative of some larger, background i guess and you know like zombies sort of belong in this post apocalyptic setting vampires are creatures of the night and this embodied being that represents something in the fear of of shadow and of the things that are in the shadows in a society and in a culture so things like lust and violence and all this stuff that gets to be written off when it's performed by white guys. The original vampire story, like Dracula, is
4: about aristocrats literally eating the poor. It was literature for a lower class to comment on and point out the problem in their society of the rich white guy, literally eating them.
5: You know, I I think to that point about the things that live in the shadows, the fact that the the subway really doesn't play a big part in this film, I think is really like, again, a very subtle move that you would think that if you're going to shoot a vampire movie and it's going to be set in New York City, that vampire is going to Make some hay in the subway, like that's where you go to do your thing. You know what I mean. You're in the dark, in the shadows. You can sneak up on people. You can get away quickly. But the only time we see the the subway make an appearance is when Alva gives an arm to the to the homeless man who's mm-hmm. singing "Beautiful Dreamer." Uh, and so there is kind of this commentary about the the goodness of the poor and the working class who actually are forced to live in the shadows in the society. While m- meanwhile, I think that that is actually happening while Peter Lowe is going apeshit on his apartment.
3: All of these levels are are happening at, at once, which is why the film is so interesting to me. But, you know, you can read into it all these different social commentaries, cultural commentaries, and at the same time, the screenwriter who wrote this thing... He was in a terrible relationship with one of the producers, actually, <laughs> who encouraged him to write the script as a way to like get him out of the house, I think. But he yeah, he was in a rough shape. And that's real, you know, And no matter who you are and no matter your your power and privilege in society, of course, people still feel pain and suffering. And so that's a part of it, too, is like this story of feeling you know like you're in a shitty relationship and you're feeling isolated and you're longing for things that you don't have and yeah it's all it's all happening at once so it's a confusing mess but it's also kind of awesome
2: we'll we'll pitch it to you guys first your vote actually doesn't count but um (laughs) what between these two movies would you pick to continue on dance
5: monkeys this is why I asked you the question earlier about best and cagey. It's the same thing. I would say Between Worlds is so cagey. But the Vampire's Kiss, to me, just as a work of art, as a film, it's absolutely the best of the two.
3: Vampire's Kiss or the win. I think even the most absurd parts of Between Worlds can't compare to the <laughs> bulging eyes and alphabet reciting antics of Nicolas Cage in this movie.
1: Well, well Nick, that's unfortunate. Since Nick and it's obviously I discussed this Between early. worlds, <laughs> I mean,
4: we specifically decided because we know how much Peter hated it that we were more a fucking monster. <laughs> Look
1: at that! You, you are, are the vampire. No, it's clearly vampire of my joy. It's
4: clearly vampire's kiss.
1: Yeah, vampire's kiss was incredible.
4: It's such a good movie, and like I said, I had a hard time getting into it, but once I realized what
0: I was
1: actually seeing, and went back and rewatched it, completely sold. An amazing. I just want to take a step back here and say I cannot fucking wait for Renfield. Watching him continue this role yeah. playing straight-up fucking Dracula yeah. is going to be incredible. So and excited for this it. This movie looks so good.
4: So this is Cage Adjacent, uh, the sequel <laughs> to Left Behind, uh, The Antichrist, Rise of the Antichrist, is coming out, starring Kevin Sorbo. And in a recent interview, Kevin Sorbo was—I'm not going to do the quote right, so please forgive me because I didn't want Google to— had me think I was googling Kevin Sorbo Christian quotes, but he said something along the lines of, "You know, the first one came out and it did really well, but all my, fa- but everyone was just like, why 'Why isn't Kevin Sorbo the lead in this film? Why is it Nick Cage?' Everyone <laughs> wanted Kevin Sorbo. Everyone wanted me to do it. So I, Kevin Sorbo, who will undoubtedly one day be found in a truck stop bathroom sucking Dean Cain's
1: dick, allegedly
4: <laughs> should have been in this film the whole time."
1: Direct quote. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's anything missed in that. <laughs> yeah, we're crediting that directly to <laughs> Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, that was my end this weekend. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Sorbo thinks he's a better actor than Nick Cage. Fuck
1: <laughs> you, Kevin Sorbo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so yeah i mean thank you guys for being here it was uh you elevated this podcast a little bit more than we're probably used to um, and that's appreciated if Um, we
1: can we'll link this podcast to uh an online thesaurus just for our listeners (laughs) yeah Yeah, uh, now that we're an educated podcast with smart people exactly
3: I just want to give a quick shout out to the the Ringer article that I got a lot of my information from. It's an article called Truly Batshit, The Secret History of Vampire's Kiss, the craziest Nicolas Cage movie of all time by Zach Schoenfeld. Highly recommend it for a read. It was really well done. Really, really fascinating.
5: Uh, a couple shout outs. We got into the Criterion channel during the lockdown and that's how we found uh, Vampire's Kiss and that's how most of the films that Populate our imaginations. We we find them on there. Um, Really fantastically curated. So big ups to the people who sort and and organize. The way they organize the films is just so nice. And then also um, wanted to uh, shout out Bell Hook's uh, The Will to Change. Oh,
3: hell yeah.
1: Oh, both movies can be viewed at my house. (laughs) (laughs) Both
2: movies are available on Tubi if you're okay with watching commercials.
1: Or you can go to Nick's house. I have a a really sweet garage we can watch them in. It's
2: true. Uh, But yeah, so please rate, review, subscribe, all the regular things on all the podcast platforms. Find us on Reddit. It does help us out. We were the number 138 movie review podcast this week so yeah. oh,
5: yes. uh,
0: we're moving up <laughs>
2: top 150 uh if you are interested in supporting us on patreon you can find us at patreon.com slash we're on reddit if you want to interact with us at all uh it's cage match pod and as always thank you to our sparkle buddies josh sean josie rico matt and adam and our inner cage member ira and a special thanks to our new inner cage member john so thank you guys for uh pitching you, in and making this shit happen
4: also, Nick, the comments are on Reddit. Apparently,
1: yeah. So, there you no, go. We established that last time when I said to comment on Reddit. I couldn't remember anything last week. I could barely speak. Yeah, you had the brains. I had the brains. Oh, Mad, the brains.
2: Bad case. Of the Peter
3: brains. AI'd my entire persona, persona into that podcast.
2: <laughs> Chat GPT, just for Sean.
3: <laughs> I don't know why you guys don't call the, the premium tier cage dancers,
2: but
5: oh, too oh, now we're
2: going to Money. get out of my house. <laughs> Just in general, if you want to give a little test. Hello, um, how's it going, Nick? Roxanne, you sound just like her. It's crazy. I,
1: I know.
5: It's fooled Gary many a time. Oh God. <laughs> oh, I, I thought oh, I was yeah. supposed to wait for a poignant moment, like after I say pounding on a BM.
0: Oh, <laughs> I thought you were cleansing the space
5: with the crack. I thought that was the point.
1: No, I'm just dumb. <laughs> <laughs>